This morning's scripture is from the Gospel of Luke. It's two very short parables from Jesus. And in the Gospel of Luke, there's a third parable that flows right after it. Three parables in a row, which is a little unusual. But sort of in this brief teaching moment, it's not at all likely that Jesus told these three parables one after another in real time, but that when the Gospels were put together somewhere between 50 and 60 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus, these three parables all have a common theme. And the theme is being lost, found, and rejoicing. Lost, found, and rejoicing. The first two that I will read is the parable of the lost sheep, followed by the lost coin. And the one I won't read, which comes right after it, is the parable of the lost son, the prodigal son, from the Gospel of Luke. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't the shepherd leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and heads home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my last lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one who repents. This ends the reading from the Gospel of Luke. And may these parables, which once transformed the disciples' hearts, transform our hearts as well. Will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be offered humbly and faithfully. Amen. Well, you heard it, right? The Gospel of Luke presents us with sort of a gift of these ancient and, I think, somewhat peculiar parables. A shepherd who searches for one lost sheep, a woman who expends all of her energy for one lost coin, and then, as I told you, immediately following those two parables is the parable of the prodigal son, sometimes called the lost son. They each are about losing, seeking, and rejoicing. Chapter 15 of the Gospel of Luke is the lost and found department of the Bible. But I think these stories deserve our careful attention. Seeking, finding, rejoicing. What scholars tell us is that they think these are sketches of God. Luke uses Jesus' parables to trace for us a portrait of God. Now, I don't know about you, but 
But at first glance, both the shepherds and the woman's behaviors in these parables seem to be sort of obsessive and, and maybe not very wise decisions at first glance, right? I mean, the shepherd abandons 99 of the sheep to search for the one that's lost? I mean, that's a very poor investment strategy. It'd be like a banker spending all of her time and energy pursuing one bad loan and not worrying at all about the other 99. Maybe the shepherd didn't know, they weren't playing poker yet, that you got to know when to hold them and you got to know when to fold them. Or the actions of the woman to recover the one lost coin? I mean, I imagine that she really was flipping over the mattresses, flinging the sheets into a crumpled pile at the end of the bed. Clothes hamper is emptied on the floor. Books are pulled off the shelves willy-nilly. But Jesus also tells us that this is probably taking place at night because he says the woman lights a lamp to search. I mean, what about the woman's spouse? Honey, what are you doing? It's the middle of the night. Can't this wait until the morning? But it can't. It's too urgent to postpone for even a moment. Sketches of God. And frankly, for those of us of a certain generation, that last scene, turning the house upside down, sounds more like the sketch from I Love Lucy where she's lost her wedding ring and Ricky has it in his pocket the whole time. But this is no comedy script. This is Jesus' rough draft of God. Think of this scene. Maybe it's more relatable to us. You shopping in Marshall Fields, say, when it existed. <laughs> Standing in the midst of a sea of clothing racks, a mom is looking for something for the holidays. She Say she's bought a book or some comic books for a child to read to keep, keep them busy. She's finally found a couple of things, wants to take them into the dressing room, and when she's about to, she's looking for her young child, can't find him. I mean, he's gone. Well, she calmly checks the couple of rows around her, but you know the feeling, her stomach's starting to get queasy and, and the anxiety's starting to rise and she can't find her child. The salespeople are now helping her search for the child. The manager pages the name over the loudspeaker. Richie Kircher, please look for an adult. Uh-oh. I mean, why was my mom so frantic? I was just playing hide and seek. I'd read the comic books. And then I remember this sort of strange moment, a confluence of of relief and tearful joy when my mom embraced me. But think about it, right? Like the shepherd. I mean, all that energy for one lost child? My mom had three more at home. I mean, come on. <laughs> but of course, not a thought was given to my siblings while she looked for me. Hmm. According to Jesus' stories, that's the nature of God, to search for us tirelessly, relentlessly. And, and I know that sounds sort of easy and, and simple and, and a bit of a cliche. And maybe it would be easy and simple if it weren't 
for our predilection to play hide-and-seek with God. As much as it is God's nature to seek us, there is a part of our nature that has us try to find the best possible hiding places we can. Maybe in the dark closet of the pursuit of success for success's sake. Maybe we hide under the bed of ambition or behind the curtains of self-centeredness. Or maybe it's simply the daily routines of carpools to drive and phone calls to return. And you know this. Sometimes what happens is that we emerge from our hiding places when we need God. Maybe it's a time of grief, of some sort of loss. Maybe it's a particularly disappointing setback, or maybe the doctor has said there's a spot on the CT scan. Sometimes our relationship with God is a little like one of our high schoolers' experience with his sleeping bag. Really. About 30 years ago, when I was the youth minister, a high schooler had left his sleeping bag in the youth room after our fall retreat. And every night, for months on end, I'd hold up the last remaining thing that hadn't been claimed, the sleeping bag, and I'd say, whose is this? And no one claimed it. It was crickets week after week, months after month. Then one night, after a youth group event, a PF or one of our high school youth groupers was carrying the sleeping bag out under his arm. And, and I just had to ask him. I said, hey, is it, that's yours, right? He said, yeah. I said, you've been here for months. I've held it up week after week. Why didn't you claim it? And I'll never forget what he said. He, he paused and um, he said, huh. Well, you know, we're going on work tour next week. And I guess I didn't know I missed it until I needed it. That might, in the end, be our default relationship with God. But I also believe that although we may hide from God behind our daily responsibilities, in the end, we are profoundly and deeply hoping to be found. When my daughter Jess, who's now a parent herself, was about four years old, I would come home from church, and she loved to play hide-and-seek. I'd come in the door, and I'd hear her little feet pitter-patter and run away, and I would announce very loudly that I'm going to look for Jess now. I can't find her. And I'd say, I wonder if she's behind the shower curtain. And then I'd hear, no. <laughs> I'd say, maybe, maybe she's under the table, even louder. No. And then what she'd do, and I'd never forget it, she'd send out a clue. And from behind the curtain, <laughs> and then a hand would appear. I mean, she desperately, desperately wanted to be found. She didn't want to be lost at all. I think we do too. And Jesus' sketching of God for us in these parables tells us that God is turning the house upside down, searching the aisles of Marshall Fields for you and for me. And you know it, right? This is really good news. But remember, we have a part in this story. 
we are responsible for sticking our foot out, extending our hand, wanting to be found. And we need to remember that so often the joy in life is found in the reunion. To remember that the hope in life is never in being hidden, but in the belief that we deserve to be found. May it be so.